My Mac Podcast number 44. The next generation of radio, it's the MyMac.com Podcast. Podcasting from the MyMac.com studios, it's your hosts, Tim Robertson and Chad Perry. And this week, as I mentioned on the last show, uh, what the heck was that, Chris? That was me turning off my speakers and using only the earphones. If you can guess, uh, this week's special guest, uh, special co-host, is Chris Ebold. Hi, Chris. Hi, Tim. How are you? Uh, It's kind of weird to say, hi, Chris. We've been talking for like an hour. And so now we have to make believe that this is the beginning of our conversation. Everything you say is new to me. <laughs> uh, Chad Perry's on vacation this week, and um, you know I had a really cool idea. I was actually talking to David Avery on the telephone when I came up with the idea uh, last week, and that was, you know, the new uh, iTunes phone. Which you notice they don't call it an iPod cell phone; it's the iTunes phone. Hmm. Um, because it's such a divisive. Uh, attitude of a lot of different Mac users that it might be a good idea to talk with a bunch of different Mac users and get their impressions of the phone. So I had uh, lined up a lot of people to talk to and I was doing it via the telephone and the recordings basically came out like crap of the first two people that I talked to. So I think we're not going to use those. Uh, We might still use a couple of them. We'll have to see. Uh, We're actually recording this, Chris and I, uh, on Tuesday which is a full day ahead of when I usually do the podcast. So it's kind of different tonight. Uh, it's actually the 13th of September, and the rest of it will be recorded on the 14th of September. So uh, anyways, let's move on. How is life, Chris? Uh, life's dandy. Uh, much like Chad, I went capping last weekend, and I'm fully rested and, and ready for the uh, podcast. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> Uh, usually I go over to Chad's house and uh, record the podcast there, but this time I'm actually recording it from my house, so it's kind of a different setup for me. Uh, I'm still using the good microphones and the mobile pre... Uh, what is that called now? The mobile pre-USB. Don't you get sick of all the technical terms you have to remember? Yes, I do, but uh, when I record podcasts, I use the Logitech uh, Best Buy cheapest mic possible. And that's what you're talking on right now? Uh, pretty much, yeah. Sorry, that's just what I've got. <laughs> we're going to have to do something about that. Uh, we're going to actually, we will play Chris's Not Mac News. He won't be doing it live. He sent that in earlier today, so we'll play that, which is going to be kind of strange. We'll go to a segment with Chris Seabold. <laughs> and Chris Seabold's here talking. That that will be horrible. Every week I listen to this podcast because I really enjoy it, but I turn it off when Not Mac News comes on because I'm so embarrassed. Uh, so what, what's your initial impressions of the iTunes phone? My initial impressions are it would have been a great phone if it came out in like 1989 or 1995, but this being 2005, it, it, the looks are old, uh, the iTunes functionality seems to be very tacked on. Crippled it, almost. Yeah, it's nothing more than, than just a really, really sad attempt. One of the conversations that I did hold was... Uh, I, I did talk to two so far, 
as we were recording this segment of the podcast. Two of the people I have talked to was John Farr, who uh, has zero experience with the telephone, obviously. Um, but I still wanted to get John's impressions because John is just a character, and I thought he would be great to get on the podcast, and that was a perfect opportunity. But the other person I did talk to was Chris Breen, uh, formerly of Macworld and Mac User Magazines, currently with Playlist Magazine. And uh, he's he's actually got one of the phones, a demo unit, and he says it's very clunky. The interface doesn't really feel iPod-like. Uh, there's like a hesitation when you click to go to the next screen. It kind of waits for a second and then goes. And uh, He wasn't really all that impressed with it. And uh, unfortunately, the audio quality of my talk with him was very subpar, but we'll still try to uh, see if I can clean it up before we actually post this podcast, and hopefully we'll be able to share it with everybody. I'm not surprised. I mean, the phone looks bad, and it probably performs bad. I have no uh, experience with an iPod, to be honest. But every cell phone I've used has been slow and really not a very good experience. I, I'm just surprised that the the looks of the phone is so not cool. I, it's it's almost, you know, I, I was reading a few rumors online, and you know how everybody does that. And one of the rumors I, I read was that this is not the iTunes phone that everybody's been waiting for, that this is more or less something to appease the masses until Apple readies the actual iPod type of telephone. Well, that's an interesting thought. Um, the other side of the coin is uh, because cell phones are limited in their uh, market, you know, you have to get one from your provider. Why why give people something that that... You know, you'll have to switch a contract for it. That makes it hard to use. Why not give them a crappy phone like they did? Well, isn't so. the entire cell phone market in the United States just kind of very strange? I mean, it, it'd be like if you wanted to watch television and you had competing uh, cable companies in your area, which, you know, probably isn't the case for most people. But if you wanted to watch Comcast, they'd have to give you a television. But if you wanted to switch over to, say, I don't know, AT&T uh, cable, They'd have to give you a different television, and your old television would no longer work. Yeah, and, and that's you're, you're precisely right. That is why uh, that cell phone whole conundrum. And you're not paying for the cell phone. You're you know you're buying into the service. It's ridiculous. It's, it'd be hard to sell something really great to a lot of people with all the vendor locking with cell phones. So I don't blame Apple for making a crappy cell phone. Well, well te- technically, Apple didn't make it. Motorola did. You're right. You're right. I don't blame Apple for uh, letting Motorola tack cell phone, tack iTunes onto a really bad cell phone. I I kind of do because what Apple is known for, really, what the crown jewels are at this point in time, is both the Macintosh operating system and the iPod. That's it. That's what they sell. And to allow, of course, they didn't allow the 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 name iPod. They used the term i iTunes for the telephone. So I don't know. To, for Apple to uh, associate with such a crappy product, I think it's kind of surprising. Oh, I was surprised too, but on the other hand, you know, I can see why they wouldn't want want to get into the whole cell phone market. It's just too complicated and complex and no way to appeal to everybody because everybody has a different service. Yeah, absolutely. And the, and the funny thing with cell phones is, I think anyways, and I don't know if it's funny or just sad, is they keep adding all these new features to the telephone. And how about a phone that just works as a phone? Just It's just a telephone. It has excellent sound quality. 
Uh, it's very easy to use, uh, small enough to fit in your pocket, and that's it. That's all it is. I don't see those. I believe that was a Motorola StarTac. It was an excellent phone. Yeah, but it but it was the size of two bricks put together in a uh, a faux leather bag. Well, that's true enough. But I mean, it, every little thing they can add on is another reason for people to go and upgrade their phone and sign another contract. And that's I just, don't have. Go ahead. I, I don't have a camera on my phone, and honestly, I don't miss it. Hey, they they really were pushing to try to get me to buy that. The particular phone I got, and I couldn't tell you what the hell it is now. Um, it's just a telephone. Uh, although I do believe it's a Motorola. They really wanted me to get the, the model higher. I, I've got the V262. Um, they wanted me to get the next version up, and it's the same price. It's the same price, and it's got the, the it's a camera in there. And I, I don't want to take, I've got cameras. I've got two digital cameras, you know. I, in fact, both of my um, camcorders also dub as a a digital film or a digital camera so technically i've got four cameras what the heck do i want to take a 1.1 megapixel tiny ass crappy little picture on my cell phone i mean really isn't these just peeping time devices really come on i i think so and and part of the allure for the telephone company for the cell phone companies is that when you send a picture you know that's airtime and you'll use bandwidth and that's money they can charge you yeah and the phone the phones, the cameras, are, you're right, tend to be bad. Now, if you guys are listening to this podcast and you're wondering why it sounds a little bit different, um, Chris and I are actually talking via um, iChat. And uh, I'm recording on my normal equipment, so my voice is probably going to sound a lot more fuller than Chris's. And uh, and, and we, I have already heard a couple little latency problems. And usually when I'm talking to Chad, he gets the little... Uh, physical cues when it's time for him to say something so I can stop for a second or that sort of thing. Chris and I obviously can't do that when we're, we're, you know, what, 1,500 miles apart. That's right. You're in Michigan. I'm here in Tennessee. It's funny you don't have an accent from Tennessee. I wasn't born here. I was born in Kansas City, Missouri, so I guess I have that accent. Mm, Go Chiefs. Go Chiefs. (laughs) I, I guess that's a Kansas City accent. I don't know. Uh, a lot of good stuff going up on the website right now. Uh, I take it you saw our new columnist. Yeah, I actually I thought that article was was pretty fantastic because the Mac's easy to use, and once you use it for just a bit, and especially when you start writing for it, you you assume everybody else has the same level of expertise as you. But uh, the new the new writer Donnie, I don't remember his last name. Ian Kellogg. Yeah, wrote a great article for people who are just switching. I think it'll be really useful, and I wish there was more articles like that in the Macosphere or whatever you call the Mac website. Yeah, too many, I think right now, too many Mac websites fall into um, one of really three categories. News, which is nothing but, at least for the most part, regurgitating press releases. Uh, product reviews, and uh, sometimes the people doing the product reviews really don't know what they're talking about. Sometimes they're great. And then you have the the rest of it, which is basically blogging. Um, and, and I guess you could call it maybe uh, um, CEO couch quarterbacks, if you will, if you understand uh, what I mean. Op, yeah, op-ed stuff. Yeah. 
and, and that seems to be about it. Um, and then you've got the the really nice websites like uh, Mac Surfer, where you could find all that information, but it's almost too much information. Like at Mac Surfer, I mean, it's so much you just where do you click first? So I I was really and I, and I talked about this on a podcast or two ago that I'd really like to start adding new writers to mymac.com and go back to our roots, which is you know explaining how to use a computer to people. Right. Yeah. When I read uh, when I started writing for uh, my Mac, I think I went back and read through the archives. And one of the things you want to do was explain the Mac and uh, review shareware. Wasn't that your two big goals? Yeah. If you go back to actually the very first issue of my Mac, um, I don't know if it was on the first page or the second page. Uh, and when I say page, uh, this isn't a website for, I know Chris knows what I'm talking about for those who don't. My Mac started as a downloadable um, electronic magazine, basically. Uh, it came out in DocMaker format, which was a a program that would allow you to create a program. And that program kind of worked like Adobe PDF does nowadays. And uh, one of the first things that I put in the magazine was um, this is going to be a e-zine, which is what they're called then, uh, digital uh, or electronic magazine, e-zine, all about Macintosh software, uh, i.e. shareware, doing reviews on shareware, and explaining how to use a computer. I mean, I remember doing articles on how to change your icons and, you know, real simple stuff like that. But at the time, uh, that's what people wanted to read. People didn't realize they could change the, the icon of their trash can if they wanted to. Uh, how easy it was to change a background picture on your desktop, all that kind of stuff. And uh, that was 10 years ago. That was a decade ago. And so here we are with Mac OS 10.4 Tiger out there now, and a lot of things have changed. And I don't think, like you said, I don't think there's enough content out there for the new Mac user. No, I, I really think that's a, a sore lack in the Mac community, especially with people, you know, the Mac share started to grow again, so there's a lot of new users, and I think that is just a a terrible oversight. Oh, I agree. Totally. Um, I, and I would be remiss to say I can't tell you what's going on in most of the print magazines out there because I don't get most of the print magazines out there. Uh, I spend so much time online doing uh, work for MyMac.com, including this podcast, that I usually get all my news and all that information online. And then when I'm not online, I read a lot as well. I just don't always feel like reading about Macintosh stuff. You know, I read time, I read people, and um, stuff like that. And I have other interests outside of computers as well. So I don't spend a lot of my time reading about computers if I'm not actually on the computer. So I'm actually... Oh, sorry, Kevin. No, go ahead. I'm actually not sure how many uh, Mac publications are left. I do remember the old days when you would get uh, the Mac publication and... There was a picture on the front, and then there was like 10 pages explaining how to recreate the picture with Photoshop or Illustrator. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I heard a little latency there. Oh, sorry. Are you, uh, do you have the speakers on or headphones on? Just the headphones, sir. Ooh, you must have it turned up loud because I can actually hear myself through them. That's okay. Um, yeah, you know, it, for a long time, there was some really great Macintosh magazines. I used to love Mac user. I thought it was superior of all of the Mac... Macintosh magazines out there now. Um, I have picked up a couple recent editions of, well, I don't want to say too recent, probably within the last nine months or so, of Macworld, and that's more for Macintosh professionals. It's not really geared towards a new Mac user from what I remember. 
Um, and then there's, of course, Mac Addict, which, boy, I, I don't know. Um, Mac Addict, to me, reads as if it's trying to be too hip. You know what I mean? I, yeah, I know. They, they use buzzwords and stuff. It's like, uh, what is that, PC Overclocking Magazine? I can't remember the name. They send it to me every month. It's horrible. Yeah. And, yeah, that, so, but I will tell you, um, I have picked up a couple issues of Mac Format Magazine, and they're out of the UK, and so there's a few words in there that, that, you know, I have to translate it in my head to, to American English rather than UK English, and, uh, but man, that, I tell you what, that was a really, that's a really good magazine, I'm really impressed with them, um, and their editor, the, uh, publisher over there, actually told me that I could subscribe to it here in the U.S. I didn't realize I could, so I might actually subscribe to that magazine. It's quite expensive, but uh, it actually still comes with CD-ROMs, two of them, and uh, it, it, the content was just first rate. It was fantastic. If I could find a, a, a decent Mac magazine, I would actually subscribe to it. I I haven't seen a good one for a while. I, I haven't seen a, uh, one coming from England, so... I'd like to get a copy of that and check it out. It's good. Uh, I'm going to pause the recording for one second. Hold on a minute, Chris. And, uh, of course, the listener's not going to know any difference. Uh, what I was trying to do is invite John Nemirovsky into our talk here, but unfortunately, John was on a machine that he couldn't join our iChat. So, sorry about that, John. I think it was an OS9 machine, was it not? Yeah, that's what he said. He said he was on a machine, and he said, oh, sorry, only OS9. Um, it, and that's strange that he's still on an OS9 machine, because I know he has he's running Mac OS X, too. So maybe he's got multiple machines, and one of them doesn't have OS X on it. I, I think that OS9 is uh, wildly un- underrepresented anymore. A lot of people still use it, especially at work. You know, a lot of people do, and... Uh, I know we have a graphic design professional. We both know that his ber- that his work is still under OS nine. That's true. That's Todd Long. Todd Todd Long. And uh, again, I wanted to thank uh, publicly thank Todd Long for the uh, Mac user supporting Katrina victims logo that he designed for us. It's it's really cool. Uh, I have a lot to work still to do on the uh, on that whole thing. I need to talk. Uh-oh, somebody's trying to buzz me here. Um, I need to get the totals up there. I need to write up an article that's going to take the place of all the items that are listed there right now, explaining what we did, how much money we raised, and where the money went. So um, the money's actually still sitting in my bank, waiting for me to go get a money order and or a cashier's check and uh, go pay a couple visits to some charitable organizations. I, I thought that whole thing was fantastic. I mean... You had uh, your website coming through. You had Mac Benders coming through. Todd came through. I mean, it's everybody's pulling together just to help out these unfortunate folks from Hurricane Katrina. You know, um, I, I I can't thank the companies enough that donated. I also want to thank the companies that linked to it, and there was quite a few as well. And that's always cool to see someone linking to it. Not so we get more hits or any of that crap. I, I don't care about that. Um, but they were linking to it because they thought it was a worthwhile cause. But what kind of surprised me is some of the places that didn't link to it uh, that I sent a press release to, and they felt that it wasn't newsworthy enough. And it's the same places that, no matter how well-written our press releases may be, they never, ever link 
to us ever. And so it's a good segue to go into a little bit of a rant I have on this subject that too many Mac websites to me, and, and we're guilty of it to a certain point, that they, they call themselves a news site, but yet they don't really link to Mac stuff out there, Mac content. Uh, they'll print a press release about uh, a point zero point five point one update to some crappy shareware program that 4,000 people worldwide are using, but we can have a review of a major software title, or such as uh, Donnie's new article, Three Things a Switcher Should Know, um, we could have that posted. We can have uh, reviews of the Toonbox or a book review, and they never ever review or they never ever link to this stuff. And uh, it's just this the attitude of a lot of these news websites that just it, it's almost like they think, well, it's it's not it's yes, it's Macintosh related, but we don't have any affiliation with that website, so we're not going to link their stuff. And I can't stand that. You know, and it, and not just to us. Don't get me wrong. This isn't just about mymac.com. This is about them linking to any of the Mac content out there. And well, I just I, go ahead. I, I couldn't agree more. That's been one of my biggest gripes. A long time ago, I wrote an article for my Mac. Uh, is a Mac web starting to suck? I, I've got I got hundreds of emails about it. And one of my big complaints was these new so-called news sites just regurgitate. You know, press releases from the major companies, and they don't bother to, you know, find the good content out there that people really, you know, would like to read. I had an article one time that uh, was on the front page of Slashdot that not a single Mac site listed to. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Now, I don't want to lump all Mac news sites out there into this category because there are some that that do link to quite a few di- other Mac websites, um, and I'm not counting uh, Mac Surfer because that's all that site is. But there just seems to be this this attitude of well it's not ours and we're better than them and we're not going to link to their stuff. It's almost like they don't want to give anybody else any uh, credit for anything. Now, we're not a Mac News website. We're not. Um, we don't l- usually link too many other sites uh, because our content doesn't call for it. I mean if we're doing a speaker review for instance there's no real call to link to you know, Macintosh or Macworld or any of those places in that review. But if we do write a review or an article and we talk about a website, um, we'll actually link to it. Or if we're talking about a problem that somebody may have had with their computer and, hey, there was a solution that was posted on Mac Macintosh, here's a link. But Macintosh, to me, um, I, they're probably the biggest culprits as far as I'm concerned of the problem. They never, ever link us. They never even acknowledge us. Um, and yet we've been publishing just as long as they have, 10 years, over a decade now. June was our one-year an- or our 10-year anniversary. And yet, you know, if you look at Macintosh, all of their content, all of their content is supplied to them from their readers. Uh, it's very rare we actually see original content that anybody on staff there has created themselves. And it's a huge advertising site now. I mean, you got to scroll past a billion Amazon.com links uh, to get to the actual regurgitated press releases that they have posted. And so, it, you know, it, I just get, I'm tired of, I'm trying to, I'm trying to come up with a good term for websites that do that. 
Any ideas? Uh, Ma- sucky. No, how about like something like Macintosh snobs? There is a lot of snobism. And now I'm hearing myself, so... Yeah, there is a lot of that. It's just when when they're... You know, when you go to a site that is supposed to amalgamate the best of the Mac web, yeah. you know, you would think that, you know, a, a MyMac article would show up there on occasion because, you, you know, we have some really great articles here, but they never do. It, no. it, it's, it's ridiculous. I, I thought that a few of them may actually link our uh, helping Katrinas, Katrina victims. Nobody did other than, uh, well, let's see, Mac Minute did. And uh, Dennis Sellers' great new site, um, MaximumNews.com. Have you been there yet? No, I haven't been to Maximum News. Um, it's actually really good. I, I really enjoyed it. I, I've always liked Dennis's writing when he was at uh, Mac Central. He did the reporter notebook articles and stuff like that. And he started his own, and he's got some writers there now, too, and it's really good. Um, he actually had a interview with Steve Wozniak. Jeez, uh, I want to say the beginning of this week or the beginning of, end of last week. And I sent him an email because within a day, it was right there top of the page, and the next day you couldn't find a link anywhere on his site. And it was because there was the, the design of his site doesn't accommodate uh, older content. It's just whatever's happening right now, that's what's up there. And he said he's going to redesign the site, which I think they really need to do because... An interview with Steve Wozniak on a Mac website should be there for at least a week, right there on the main page. And uh, yeah, his, yeah his, his website doesn't accommodate that right now. So, but hopefully it will because he's got some really great content. I, so, I heard that that Steve guy was, uh, you know, instrumental in uh, some computer thing that happened a while back. Yeah, but it was way back in the seventies, so you know. <laughs> you got to be careful, though, because some people w- won't detect the sarcasm. <laughs> uh, Mac Observer is another one that will link our stuff occasionally, and they'll link other websites as well. They do do the press release regurgitation, and there is a place for that. But if that's all you do, I think that's a problem. Um, right. It, but And that's not all. In fact, they have a podcast now. I've listened to it a couple times. Uh, quite honestly, it's it's... Yes, it's it's our competition, and it's called TMO to Go Podcast. It is our competition, but it's a good podcast. I suggest people go listen to it. If they're listening to ours, you'll probably like listening to Dave Hamilton and John Braun over at the uh, Mac Observer Podcast as well. And see, I, I'm I, I will give shout outs to the right people, to cool people. Yeah, but you're not like everybody else who thinks you're out to get them. Oh, well, I am out to get them. I'm out to get everybody. But, you know, just in a good way, not the bad way. Well, just, yeah, you're like, pre-competition, and everybody else is like, okay. you know, hey, don't, don't even mention that there's another Mac site out there. That's right. Uh, we're the only ones. Um, I, you know, I, it's, I think it's just stupid, and I wish that there was much more of a community feel to the Mac web than there is nowadays, and there used to be. Um, in fact, I was talking to John Farr before we actually did the... Uh, audio segment that the that we're going to play here in a little bit and how different it was at the peak of the mac web and when i say the peak i'm talking about between say oh, 1997 to halfway through 2000 you had um these writers that were writing for these a whole bunch of different mac websites and it was almost like an art it was so good and we had a big part in that you know 
but it was sites like uh, Apple Inks at the time was just producing some excellent, excellent content before Charles Moore took over and it became Moore's mailbag and Moore's this and Moore's that and Tim said less. And uh, go ahead. Don't don't get me started on on Mr. Moore. He's a fine person, I'm sure, but man, he's annoying. And he, he seems to he's he's over at Low and Mac as well, and Low and Mac is still publishing, and uh, they're still a good site. I've had problems with them in the past, but uh, you know it, that was more of a personal thing. But it's still great content. I suggest people go check out lowandmac.com because you're going to find, especially if you're using an older Mac, that's really the site you want to go to to get some information on that Mac. But kind of getting off topic, what we probably need to do is take a quick commercial break, and uh, we're going to come back with some guy named Chris something, and uh, he's going to talk about not Mac news. And uh, we'll be back in a second. Email, this is Apple Airport Express. You're cleared for wireless takeoff from the living room. Internet, this is Apple Airport Express. You're cleared for landing in the kitchen. iTunes, this is Apple Airport Express. You're coming in nice and easy on our wireless runway. Apple Airport Express from Small Dog Electronics. Wireless networking anywhere you are. Browse, email, print, even listen to music. Wireless. Go wireless now with a 12-inch iBook. Airport Express and carry case for $11.49. Small Dog Electronics in Waitsfield and on the web at smalldog.com. Small Dog is wireless. And now, Not Mac News with Chris Siebel. Not Mac News has learned that the introduction of the iPod Nano was actually the emergency backup plan. Apple had originally hoped to introduce the iPod Aero, a device so small that you actually inhaled the iPod nasally. The music would then play inside your head while the playlist information was displayed directly on your retinas. The idea was scrapped when Apple engineers were unable to get the device to play anything but songs by the Doobie Brothers. Apple has released a new version of OS X Beta for the Intel machines. This version will not run on generic PC hardware and provides numerous other bug fixes. Insiders tell Not Mac News that this version is only an evolutionary step to prevent piracy. Apple is aware that each scheme will be circumvented, but they are waiting to release the most difficult to crack build with the commercial release. The uncrackable retail protection scheme is said to be as follows. A big sticker that says, please don't pirate OS X. Not Mac News. Brought to you by Eggshell Remanufacturing. Buying your broken eggshells in bulk. At Eggshell Remanufacturing, chickens are the customers and you are the supplier. For Not Mac News, I'm looking for a new sponsor. And thanks to you, Chris, for that Not Mac News, which I actually haven't even listened to yet. Because <laughs> I'll put that into the show post-production. Um, and uh, we got to play the dashboard a minute. And we'll play that in a few seconds. And, of course, thanks to SmallDog.com as our podcast part, uh, sponsor. And I would be remiss not to mention Ramjet.com. They are also our sponsor for this podcast, as they were for last week's show, which I did not mention. Bad, Tim, bad. Uh, editor Russ Walkowicz actually emailed me and said, you didn't mention Ramjet on the last show. So, you know. It's uh that that's a bad thing when you take an ad dollar and you don't give them an ad. 
and, and that's a bad company to leave out because actually I've bought memory from them before and they treated me great. Yeah, they're they're a good company. Um, we were talking about off the air, I should say, what it would be like to do a daily Mac podcast. Um, and, and I'm nothing if not ambitious, and I think that uh, that would be something really fun to do. And I don't think it would be too difficult to do a daily Mac podcast. Of course, um, it would have to it have to be one of those deals that. Uh, you could do a lot of interview stuff, uh, like we are doing right now, Chris. Yes. Um, talking about the daily news, talking about whatever subjects are out there right now, and uh, I don't think it'd be too difficult to fill forty-five minutes to an hour every day on a Mac podcast. I do wonder if there is a, and I, and I'm not even necessarily talking about a mymac.com podcast, just a Mac podcast in general. I do wonder if there is a desire from listeners out there to have a a daily radio show that they can listen to. Um, can I can I address this issue, please, sir? A- absolutely. As a uh, as a mymac.com podcast listener, I think that there is, uh, and because just because I love news about the Mac and love to hear about it, I think there is a market for that. The problem is. You have to get a pretty good show host and someone with a lot of talent to do it. And I, I think you could pull it off, but I think if, and if you've heard a lot of the Mac podcasts, that there's just not too many people who could actually, actually do it. I mean, no. Kids and, and well, you know, there, there is a lot of other Mac podcasts out there, and I don't want to get, in, get into a name calling contest or anything, but there are some that I listen to, and I think. Man, this person just, and I'm not saying I do, don't get me wrong here, but this person just does not have a pleasant voice to listen to, and he's using just the crappiest equipment. I can barely hear him half the time, and he just drones on and on and on. And uh, to me, that's boring. That's not what I want to listen to. What I want to listen to is someone like Adam Curry, uh, who who does the Daily Source Code, and that's updated about once a day. That's what I want to listen to, and I don't mind listening to that once a day. In fact, I, list, I usually listen to the daily source code on the way, at least back from dropping off one of the kids at school, because some of his content really isn't appropriate for um, a fifth grader. So I listen to it on the way home, and you know the little baby's in the car, but the baby doesn't understand, and she's you know back there eating candy anyway, so she's not paying attention to what Dad's listening to. Uh, go ahead. I'd like to say I didn't appreciate your derogatory comments about my radio uh, skills. <laughs> yeah, I, I see what you mean. No, you, you have to have talent to pull it off, and I, and I think there's people out there who could, and I think there's a market for it. I, I don't know if, if I have the talent. I think I do. Um, not necessarily my voice, because quite honestly, I think I write a lot better than I do a podcast, and that's not saying much. Um but it would definitely be something that I would be very interested in. The thing is, to do it, quite honestly, I would need a partner, a business partner who, not necessarily on the air type of partner, somebody that would sell the advertising, take care of all the financial crap, and worry about the server space. Um, someone, preferably then, who 
and not just one person, I mean, this could be a, a company, they would worry about all that stuff, including paying me, because <laughs> that's, that's the part that I worry about. And then, well, yeah, that, you know, goes without saying. Um, so, you know, they would handle all the financial side of the business. They would find the commercials to put into the show, whether it be a commercial that we do for smalldog.com, as we, we, we actually play a commercial, a 30-second commercial, or a commercial that I work into the show like I do with ramjet.com. See, and I just did that again, so there's two for ramjet. Um, either one would be fine with me. I prefer the pre-produced commercials because it's much easier to just take a break, boom, you do a commercial, and you come back, and you're in a different segment. On the other hand, uh, just mentioning the company and their product is is like the uh, Engadget guys do with their uh, Best Buy commercials. That's fine as well. But if I could find a partner to do that and make it financially worth my while, I would be all over it. Um, I well, think. Go ahead. What, what you're talking about is the difference between um, talent and honestly radio management, and because that's what they do. They go out there, they sell the ads, and the talent gets on there, and, and they make something interesting to listen to. And the ads, uh, you have your pre-programmed ads or your pre-recorded ads, and then you have your, your live spots. Yes. And you get paid different for each one. So, I, I think there's a market for it. I, in fact, I think that it could be a type of a, a business where you could have a couple different podcasts every day. And that's even better for an advertisers because then they're going to potentially reach a multitude of different listeners. Um, what gets me, and, and I've run across this problem as well, at MyMac.com is the people and the companies that advertise at MyMac.com are Mac resellers, memory resellers, um, the same thing that advertise on the podcast. But the demographic of people who come to MyMac.com, yes, they're Mac users, but they also use credit cards. So why isn't Visa advertising on our site? They also buy tennis shoes. So why isn't Nike advertising on our site? And, uh, you know, they drink Coca-Cola or Pepsi products or a Heineken here and there or Budweiser or, you know what I mean? I think that uh, the companies that are advertising online are really doing themselves a disservice by not advertising on different types of websites. If you only target a website that, that talks about or produces content that's related to your product, um, I, I don't think that's going to be as successful as if you went out and got other websites. Because let's be honest, demographically, Mac users probably have a little bit more disposable income than the average PC user does. So wouldn't you think that Visa would want to target that audience? Um, from what I know, Mac users are... And I th actually think this was a study are a little smarter, a little richer, and just really, honestly, a little better than everybody else. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, you would think that that they would all want to advertise on that. And I think that sooner or later, that's what you're going to find with the podcast. I think that uh, with websites with the static ads, it's not so compelling. But with like podcasts, where they have to listen to it, or you kind of have to listen to it that the, the, the 
advertisers will uh, be around sooner or later. And I, honestly, I don't think the average listener of a podcast really minds all that much if you break away once or twice for a 30-second commercial. Because they're, if you're going to listen to public radio, or I shouldn't say public radio, but radio in general, you're going to hear a lot more ads than that. Let's say you got a one-hour program, you're going to hear more than two 30-second ads. Many, many more. What, on a podcast, if you had two 30-second ads or even two 60-second ads, and it's an hour long, that's two minutes out of the entire podcast that the listener's listening to an actual advertisement. Um, I think most listeners would probably be willing to do that, knowing that this is a, a daily podcast that they're going to listen to free of charge. I, I don't I don't think that would be a problem at all. Well, uh, I, I used to... Um run the Rush Limbaugh show uh, every day and <laughs> you can't remember how many minutes per hour were ads but it's like up 6, 10 or something like that you go out at 15, you go out at 30 you go out at 45 and you go out at 58 20, so there, there's a lot of ads there but people hear is the number of ads not the length so I think there's a big market for a long ad in a podcast hmm uh, you could say in in one respect that this podcast is a long ad for both MyMac.com and Apple products because that's what we talk about all the time. But yet we'll never, ever see one ad dollar from Apple spent on our podcast. But I've accepted that. Apple Apple uh, has never spent any money on, on advertising on websites, Mac websites, and uh, they probably won't on the podcast either. And they don't have to because we're giving them all the free advertising they could ever want. And, and they won't send out a product for a review to you know anybody who's not in a national paper either. Well, I can tell. Well, no, Apple's actually sent us products in the past for review. What they don't send is hardware. They they've sent uh, many software titles to us in the past. Uh, the thing is. Um, Honestly, we, we, we still do a lot of product reviews at MyMac.com. We don't do as many as I, I would really like to see. I'd also like to see an increase in the amount of content on the site on a daily basis rather than every other day or so. But that's neither here nor there. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that a daily show would be really, really cool. Uh, I would love to do one. It would have to be something personally that I would record in the morning. And uh, it would be up by noon Eastern Standard Time. So when uh, the West Coast is waking up, there's new content for them. And there's going to be new content in the afternoon for the East Coasters. Or um, when they wake up the next day, they could get the show from the day before on their iPod list to it on the way to work. I, I think that would be a huge, huge hit. And uh, the only thing that's lacking, honestly, is a financial backer. It's a compelling idea. Um all I can say is it's it's probably going to come, but not if you keep having me on the show. <laughs> and uh, and again, I don't I don't see it as a replacement. If I did something like that, I wouldn't see it as a replacement to the MyMac.com podcast because, quite honestly, Chad and I have way too much fun doing the show. Um, although, honestly, doing six hours worth of this a week might be a little reaching the burnout uh, burnout stage for me, but. Um, you know, Chad and I were actually talking, wouldn't it be great if we can get you and Todd to actually fill in once for a podcast? Well, you know, that would be nice, and you would really think that would be great, except Todd doesn't talk. So. 
<laughs> does he listen to the podcast? He, he does, but he only communicates through hand signals. <laughs> well, <laughs> so then, then, then we do a video cast. <laughs> yeah. that did, hey, that's coming. That's, that's coming. coming. Remember, I, I remember a few years ago when we did uh, we we did video reviews. Yep. Both of us. We're the only two. And <laughs> I don't know what that says about us, though. <laughs> yeah, the technology is about to catch up with us. I think it's going to take off big time. We're only what three or four years ahead. Yeah, yeah. You, uh, you, you, the first one you did. I'm looking back in our archive section right now. You did your first one, uh, March 24th, 2003, when you did the P- PC Plasters review. Yes, that's right. And you had your dog. Wasn't that the one that you had your dog licking? Uh, yes, he did look at that poor dog's dead. I love that dog. Uh, maybe you shouldn't have had him look that then. He was old. He was like 12 or something. My video reviews were the most boring things I've ever seen. I can't believe I actually posted them and and thought these would become popular. It, they were horrible. They got yeah. linked. They got linked on, uh, what was it, uh, Mac Minute. Oh, well, yeah. But that's only because Stan Flack's a nice guy, and he knew I'd be embarrassed years later if he... <laughs> I, I would love to do more video work. Um, video work just takes so much more time to do than, say, a podcast or writing an article. Um, and, and But you're right, though. We were probably... There's no probably about it. We were two or two or three years ahead of our time doing those. Um so it might be something that we have to look at in the future. Let's listen to a Guy Searle uh, dashboard a minute real quick. We'll be right back with Chris Siebold and me. You're listening to the Dashboard Minute exclusively on the MyMac.com Hi everyone, thanks again for being here. I'm Guy Searle and welcome again to the Dashboard Minute. Widgets are constantly being updated and unless you spend a lot of time browsing dashboard sites, you'll never find them all. So what can that busy person do to keep them all up to date? Why, just go and download Widget Update from George Candle and Mike Pogran. This program looks at your installed widgets and then goes out to the three most well-known widget sites and compares your installed version with the latest one available from the sites and returns with the information of those that need updating. If that was all it did, it would still be pretty impressive. But wait, there is more. When the widgets that have updated versions come up on screen, there are active links that take you out of Dashboard into the page where the download is available in one of the three sites used. The three sites used are Apple's Dashboard site, DashboardWidgets.com, and the MacUpdate.com online download page. Now, now how much would you pay? How about the ability to choose what speed you're online with? ISDN, DSL cable, a modem, or faster? User selectable all. How about a help screen within the widget to explain whatever may have you confused? The price is free. Yes, free. This is one of the best put-together widgets I've seen yet, and it's only at version .7. Go to dashboardwidgets.com and get this 278K nugget. Next up is a widget from Daylate and Dollar Short Software called Conference Call. No, this has nothing to do with iChat or making free internet telephone calls, 
but it is something that is near and dear to my heart. Yes, college football. What this widget is all about is showing the schedule and record of most of the serious NCAA Division I football teams in many of the major conferences, and so it was called Conference Call. Huh. Hit the info button, select your conference and team, and their record and upcoming games all appear with their team's logo. Need more information? Hitting the link at the bottom of the widget takes you through the browser of your choice to the Fox Sports site for more detailed information on your team. If you follow any Division I college football teams, go to the typical download sites or go directly to the author's website at daylateanddollarshort.com. Exactly how it sounds. As always, if you have any questions or comments about the Dashboard Minute, or maybe you have a widget you'd like me to review. If you do, send me email to dbminute at gmail.com. That's it for now. I appreciate your listening, and I hope you'll join me right here next time on the Dashboard Minute on the MyMac.com podcast. Guy Searle just, just rocks. He does, man. Guy Searle is the man. Doesn't he have just, like, the best podcasting radio-type voice? Yeah. Every week, you know, I look forward to the podcast, and when I'm listening to the podcast, I look forward to Guy Searle. He he actually made a suggestion that wouldn't it be cool if he did a Not Mac News and you did a Dashboard Minute once? Uh, I was saving that for April Fools, and I was going to hit Guy up with that, but thanks for ruining it for everybody, Guy. <laughs> uh, it's been fun talking to you, Chris. Um, we should do this more often. Uh, we should do it whenever Chad's not available. I don't want to ruin my good time every Thursday evening. <laughs> uh, we're going to listen to uh, John Farr for years wrote for AppleLinks.com, and uh, he was one of my favorite Mac writers for years and years and years. He kind of dropped out of the Mac scene, although he does const- he does occasionally post uh, blogs at MyMac.com. I kind of gave him his. Uh, Mac home away from home webpage at mymac.com. Anytime he wants to post, he's he's welcome to. And uh, I thought he'd be fun to listen to when it came to talking about the new Motorola iTunes phone. So here's a uh, the, the audio quality is not going to be the greatest. It was recorded uh, via telephone, uh, and I'm going to try and, and you know I'm recording this show early, so I don't know uh, post production if I'm going to be able to pull it off or not. I'm hoping to be able to play the. Chris Breen show or Chris Chris Breen conversation as well. It might not be in the show. I can't really say yet because I haven't really uh, played with it, try to clean up that audio yet. So, but uh, so hopefully it's going to be Chris Breen, and uh, first up is going to be John Farr, and uh, after that we're going to be off the air. So thanks again, Chris. Uh, can I add one more thing, Tim? Sure. The John Farr thing is outstanding. John, I I would really love for John to do a a podcast. I would be happy to host it, yeah, but he's unfortunately on dial up. So for him to do, you know, a, a half hour podcast would take him all night long to upload the file. And you know, we like to think that broadband is everywhere, but it's not. And nor can a lot of people afford a high speed internet connection in their house yet, when an average price is fifty dollars a month. So while we th- may think that these podcasts are going out there to trillions of people, pretty much the only people downloading them at this time is people with high-speed Internet connections, which isn't a small audience. It's, it's quite large. But it's, it's nice or it's important to remember not everybody has high-speed Internet. So there's a lot of quality 
entertainers out there that hasn't jumped on this broadcasting revolution bandwagon, which we call podcasting, because they don't have uh, high enough pipes out of their computer to upload this stuff. So, uh, anyways, here is uh, John Farr. Oh, just fine, Tim. Well, you've seen that uh, Apple and Motorola has teamed up with the new Rocker phone, and I wanted to get some perspective from different people. And, uh, you know, you spent years over at AppleInks.com before uh, leaving a few years ago. So I thought uh, it might be nice to hear from uh, John Farr and see what he thinks about this new uh, iPod and a phone type of device. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. I certainly do. Uh, $249 with a two-year service contract. A little pricey, you think, or right in line with the rest of the industry? Well, it, it doesn't cost, uh, I guess it costs less than most iPods, so I suppose that's uh, something. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I come at this from a very different uh, angle. Uh, I'm, you can call me an old fuddy-duddy or whatever, but uh, I have only downloaded one song in my entire life on the Internet. Only one song your entire life on the Internet? Only one song. I've always had a, uh, out here in the wilds of New Mexico, I've always had only had a dial-up connection, and there's no way I can sit around, twiddle my thumbs, and wait for several megabytes of music to download it at what sometimes is even less than 14 kbps. Well, so it would just be forever for you to download a four or five megabyte song, that's for sure. I, it, it, it's never going to happen, I mean, until I get broadband, which I certainly hope I will. Uh, however, I have, you want to hear some more contrary <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I've never really understood the whole thing about uh, walking around with music in my ears. See, I, I played a lot of rock and roll guitar in my early days. Pra- did a lot of practicing with my head right up against the Fender Twin Reverb. And surprise, surprise, I have high-frequency hearing loss <laughs> and ringing in my ears all the time. Sometimes I forget about it and I don't notice it, but it, it's very loud. And can't imagine what it'll be like in another 20 years. I'll probably have to shoot myself. But but I have ringing in my ears, so I really appreciate hearing. And I, I have never wanted to walk around outdoors with with earbuds or, or headphones on. I just never wanted to do that. I, I, I want to hear what's going on around me. So, uh, but... Amazingly, I do have an iPod. Do you use it much? Pardon me? Do you use it very often? Uh, I've never used it. <laughs> <laughs> I bought it uh, a few months ago used from someone we both know. It's a 5 gigabyte, uh, one of the early ones. And I'm very much looking forward to using it. Uh, I'll probably, mostly uh, my wife will be using it. Uh, what, I'm going to, what I'm going to do is... Uh, get a lot of her classical CD recordings ah. uh, onto the iPod, and she'll, she will like that. Uh, but for me, I, okay, I don't download. Well, for that matter, I don't even buy CDs. I, I have a handful of music CDs, but when CDs replaced uh, LPs, I guess it was, I, I can't even remember. <laughs> That's a long time. I, I just stopped buying music. 
And it was just too much of a price jump. And I, I've never gone back. I listen to the radio. I seek out uh, uh, university stations, like University of New Mexico has some fantastic music shows. I listen to the radio. And, uh, well, without being on broadband, then you really haven't been able to experience um, really what I think is shaking up the music industry and the radio business, and that's podcasting. No, I, I I haven't, and being I'm a musician too, and even when I, even when I thought music was affordable, I didn't buy music. I played my own music. Oh, to this day, if I really want to hear some music, I'd rather plug in my electric guitar and play than than anything else. So I wish I had the talent to do so myself, but um, well, I'm a, I mean a musical retard when it comes to actually playing music. Well, I doubt that very much. Oh, I have absolutely zero yeah, talent. You love to listen to music. Love listening to music. I love listening to uh, NPR, National Public Radio. I love listening to different podcasts. Um, and I found that the iPod really, for me, works best in my car. I, I never walk around with well, earphones that, in. That does. That idea does turn me on, and I'm sure. I'm sure that when I, whenever I do get broadband, that I will be downloading songs and and uh, all that good stuff. Uh, it, that's that's where it's really blossomed for me. Um, and, and podcasts, of course. Yeah, and pod, well, podcasting, you know, it's 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 a combination of music programs, talk radio type of stuff, and you can find a podcast on almost every single subject you can possibly imagine. Yeah. But I would love to hear a podcast created by John Farr. Um, well, uh, I think that, that would be great. That is something I started to do this spring, but again, I bumped up against. Uh, oh, this file is seven megabytes. When, you know, when do I download it? Uh, upload it rather. So, so that I would do that at night. You know, before I go to bed, start the download and hope it, hope it doesn't poop out on me. Uh, but uh, so that's that's really held me back. I, I have some, I have some. Uh, uh, audio files at uh, jhfar.com. Yep, I've listened to those myself. Far Sound page, and uh, amazingly, with, I've done nothing to promote those, but I, but all that stuff gets uh, hundreds of downloads every month. Well, people are music is such a big thing. People love to listen to music. Um, they no, like to not listen to music. The, oh no, the the commentary too. Absolutely. Uh, the uh, spoken word recordings. And I've made ambient recordings around. Towns. You you did a recording uh, with a festival. I remember. Yeah. And I remember listening to that, and uh, I actually wore headphones listening to it, and it really really did put me there. Um, and, and actually, there's a um, a term for those kind of shows now, and people do have podcasts about those, and they're called a sound scene tour. And they're becoming quite popular. See, you were ahead of the curve, oh, and you didn't even know it. Some more about that, because I'm not aware of that. But uh, I, let me let me say something about the actual uh, Motorola phone, which is the whole point of this discussion. Um, <laughs> I don't have a whole lot to say about that either, because I only got a cell phone three months ago for the first time in my life. I was a long-time holdout, and... Uh, I mean, for years I've been cursing at people talking on their phones and their cars and all that stuff. And to this day, if I see someone doing something stupid on the road, nine times out of ten, he or she is talking on the phone. It's becoming a problem. But, uh, so, well, I do it too now. Ha <laughs> ha. But, uh, so, 
I'm not really sure. Why would it, why? I don't really under, understand the market. I'm, I'm, I'm so out of it. I mean, I suppose if you have an iPod and you have a f- cell phone, I suppose to have, to be able to listen to music from one device, use the same device for listening to music and making phone calls is uh, a, a good idea, but I mean, you have fewer things to carry around with you, but... Yeah, it's called convergence, when uh, a lot of items kind of meld into one, and this is kind of the convergence of the MP3 player with a a cell phone, and you already have the cell phone's camera phone things. Um, And, you know, when you start rolling all these items together, to me, it just seems like that's just more things that you're going to lose once it breaks, and and everything breaks eventually. And so watch it. You'll be becoming a troglodyte too here. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I kind of I kind of agree with that because uh, well, I had all this trouble when I got the cell phone. I went to Verizon. I went to this fancy Verizon store, and I had to say no about three hundred times. You know, did I want a phone with a camera? No, I don't want a phone with a camera. I have a camera. Did I want a phone that 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 Gets websites. No, who wants to look at that little screen? You know, I mean, did I want a? I didn't, certainly didn't want a camera phone. I didn't want a web phone. I didn't want, you know. You just want a phone that works. I don't care about ringtones. I mean, I don't want to download anything. I just want to talk on a phone, and uh, so that's what I got. Well, it, it gets I got me. A phone that does nothing except you can talk on it. And, and I think that's kind of the definition of a phone, actually. What gets me is you keep seeing all these new items added to cell phones, but quite honestly, the coverage area, at least where I live, if I go three miles north of here, I don't have a cell phone. Uh, um, I can't use my cell phone. We have no signal. So I'm thinking instead of adding all these little doodads. Yeah, well, that's just the thing. You know, everyone assumes that cell phones now are um, a replacement for landlines, and I don't think they are because I don't think the cell phone coverage throughout the entire nation, uh, at least in the United States, is up to where it should be. Well, amazingly, uh, I'm not plugging anyone here, but I do have Verizon and I do have a deal, but there's no roaming charges. And and I took a trip recently to Iowa and back from northern New Mexico, and I was in some really in the middle of nowhere places in eastern Colorado and such, and I always had coverage. Another thing that's uh, getting me with the cell phones is I can't remember anybody's phone number anymore. I use I have fifteen hundred minutes a month. Cost me I want to say forty bucks a month, and it's a great plan. They don't even offer it anymore. My cell phone company. Um, so that's a lot of minutes. I usually use my cell phone um, for long distance calls as well because there's no long distance fees. But the problem is I have that little phone book in there, and anytime I call someone new, I just add that person as a contact in my cell phone. I don't remember anybody's phone number offhand. I have to use my yeah. cell phone because you get used to it. Yeah, tell me about it. Well, you know, I guess uh, I guess we're not really doing Apple any favors here. Uh, <laughs> saying great things about the phone. Uh, I know. I ever since the, the idea I first heard about it, though, uh, this uh, iPod phone thing, I. I'm just scratching my head. Well, Apple and Motorola has limited it to 100 so- uh, songs on the iPod phone, so you can't have any more than that. And I keep calling it the iPod phone. Technically, it's the iTunes phone, and I think iTunes 
Yeah, they, I think they named it thus, so it doesn't eat into any iPod market share. Yeah. And um, from what everything I've read online, they limit it to 100 songs on the phone, so it doesn't also interfere with, say, sales of an iPod Shuffle or a regular yeah. iPod. Is, is that is that flash memory or what on the phone? Yes, yes, it is. Okay. Yep. Yeah, the and the new iPod Mini, which is now called the iPod Nano, is also flash memory, which greatly increases battery life. Um, you know, the regular iPods that have a hard drive doesn't have as long battery life because it's a hard drive, actually, that's going to take a lot more power to uh, run than a flash-based memory is. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I appreciate your time, John. Um, sure. We will. Uh, we have to talk again, get you on the podcast again, and uh, go into a lot more detail. Well, I got I got lots of fun things to talk about. We'll definitely get to some. Okay. Thanks, John. You bet. Thanks for downloading the MyMac.com podcast. You can subscribe to this podcast at our RSS feed at MyMac.com or by visiting the iTunes Music Store's podcast section. Please send all feedback to MyMacPodcast at gmail.com. And thanks for listening to the MyMac.com podcast.